Hey, g'day there, fellow humans. Mark Labusk here for the Simply Practically Human podcast. And it is uh, the Tuesday before Father's Day here in Oz. I'm not sure what Father's Day falls in other places, but this Sunday coming up, um, the 4th of September is Father's Day. And I have got a gift for you today because uh, Ash Benalik has joined me, who is the founder of um, Cycle Well and the Cycle Well Camps. And he is a men's health and wellbeing coach based in Bendigo in country Victoria. He has an incredible story of what success was to him once in his life, what success is now. I'm not going to give too much more away. Have a look on the on the notes though there because he's got these amazing events that he runs and, and they would be great to be supported by not just blokes, but also by those who, who care and love blokes. For all men, um, have a happy Father's Day and uh, we'll catch you at the end of the potty. Life can get pretty complicated. In the Simply Practically Human podcast, Mark Labusque talks to incredible humans to see the way forward more clearly through the complexity in the world and in our heads. Let's get ready to thrive. Hey, I'm delighted to be joined today by the founder of Cycle Well and men's health and wellbeing coach, Ash Benalik. How are you, Ash? Good, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Mate, an absolute pleasure. And look, what a great time to, to release this one because uh, coming up this week is is Father's Day. And, you know, I see all the ads, go to Bunnings and get this, and my dad likes this and he likes that. But I reckon you're about to give us, for, for dads, I think, and others, one of the best gifts and, uh, and a great conversation. So, Mate, before we get there, though, I always ask, and this is a bit self-indulgent and people say that to me, but fucking whatever, yeah. I always ask for first impressions because I think that's the place where we start. So your first impressions of me, mate, and then I'll share mine with you. So my first impressions of you, so I actually found you via Harps' podcast yeah. and um, heard you on that and thought, well, initially, to be honest with you, I was really jealous. I thought, fuck, how did this bloke get to be on Harps' podcast? And I've never heard of him before. <laughs> so uh, instantly it was jealousy. And then when I actually heard, I thought to myself, this is actually what I want more of. This guy seems experienced, first of all. So he's not like an influencer who's been doing this for two seconds and read lots of books and just regurgitating shit. And he seems pretty down to earth and pretty considered. So I thought, now, that's pretty cool. That's that, The stuff that you do and the stuff that Harps does is the stuff that I'm trying to do as well. Nice, mate. I think, you, I think you're doing it now. Don't, don't undersell yourself. I love jealous. I was jealous of him. How the hell did you get on there? <laughs> Never heard of you, dickhead. Um, I yeah, like well, that. well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, mate, with you, like um, following your stuff a bit on LinkedIn and whatnot, like the first word that came up for me was caring. There's a real care factor there. And look, I've been lucky. We've had a chat for 10 minutes, so that's been bloody absolutely cemented. Um, very helpful. And I am recording a podcast. <laughs> One sec, mate. We're humans and things, things can go wrong. This is Father's Day. This is what happens. We're juggling all the things that fathers juggle. But we don't exactly. For. Exactly. Leave the door open. If you're going out, just leave the door open. That's cool. <laughs> we can come in here. One of the uh, trepidations of recording a podcast at uh, two o'clock on a um, yeah. Friday afternoon is that we've got kids off to uni and we've got kids going up to their boyfriend's places and um, now I've got four dogs wandering in to hang out with me. But that's just a little bit of extra gift. Um, nice. Mate, the other thing for me, like you seem to be like really focused and, and what I mean by focused, like you seem to be laser focused on something in particular that's much bigger than you and I don't... I don't really know what that is, but this is where I want to start is 
for the listeners to really understand the human. Yep. So, mate, give us some of your backstory on um, on the Ash story and how you've got to where you are today. Right. Yeah. You'll probably work it out as you hear my story, actually. So, my story is kind of you know how Harps calls himself fat kid from the the what is it Latrobe Valley? Yeah, Jumbo. That's it. So, when I was at school, do you remember Fat Albert? Yeah. Do you remember how they used to go, hey, 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 it's Fat Albert? Yep. So when I was at school, it used to be, hey, 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 it's Fat Ashley. So I was the fattest kid at primary school by a long shot. I remember in grade five, we got weighed. Everyone in our school got weighed because we had, um, I had a grade five teacher who was a footy head, country footy head, used to make us go and run every morning and then get us on the scales, all the sort of stuff that you wouldn't be allowed to do now. And I would always finish last, of course, in the morning run. So I, you know, always got to start the day full of negative emotion because I was the fat kid who everybody laughed at. And I remember I was 56 kilos in grade five and the next heaviest kid was 26. Jeez. And my teacher made sure that everybody knew that. Uh, so then you take that into uh, secondary school and year seven, year seven, year eight, I was still pretty big. And then, of course, the hormones kicked in and I wanted the girlfriend and all that sort of stuff. And I remember the girl who I'd wanted to go out with and asked to go out with said, and I quote, you're cute and you're funny, but I can't go out with the fat kid. So, again, that sort of burnt into the brain and I went, right, and this is probably the first time looking back on it now where I've realised that my character is very much, well, fuck that, I'm making a difference now, you're not going to tell me that. So that's when I drew a sand in the line and then that's when I got laser focused as you said got totally obsessed with diet and nutrition and running and bodybuilding and the whole nine yards typical of me though by the time i got to year nine i had pushed it that far and lost that much weight that i then got glandular fever and i remember uh, one day mum coming home and i they found me on the kitchen floor in front of the fridge because i passed out in front of the fridge Because I no doubt I've gone, okay, finally I'm going to give in, I'm going to have to eat something and obviously didn't quite make it, low blood sugar, et cetera. Uh, So I went to the doctor and the doctor said, you know, you've got glandular fever. Uh, Having a look back now, I probably had definitely had disordered eating. I don't think I had an eating disorder, but it would definitely have been disordered eating because I basically just exercised my ass off and stopped eating. Then went the other way after that and went, okay, well, um, I started to get a little bit of interest from the girls once I lost the weight and got a bit muscly and stuff and thought, oh, this is cool. So that thing of me being all about my body and, you know, me being what I look like as opposed to who I am continued and then I got into bodybuilding. So I went the other way. So in year 12 I was 98 kilos, squatting 200 kilos and, you know, obsessed with bodybuilding, got to uni, Decided to go all in then, got on the gear, was taking whatever I could take, punching it into wherever I could punch it to get as big as I could. And, again, the way that worked out was what I really wanted was to be um, known for who I was inside, but all I really was I just went from being the skinny kid to being the big fella and it was always get our muscles and get our big fella and all that sort of stuff. So went through that and then got a job in Melbourne and had to stop with the bodybuilding stuff there in Melbourne because moved down to Melbourne on a credit card back in the old days, so I had no money. actually had two part-time jobs back home in Bendigo and lived at home, but I spent all my money on 
supplements and performance enhancing other things. So I had no money, went to Melbourne, got a job and, you know, jumped on the career bandwagon there. Well done, mate. Fat Ashley. So Fat Ashley, meet Fatty. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so when I was in year seven and I was a, a big boned boy, I'm going to say, I, but yeah. uh, my phys ed teacher, who was a role model for me and a good fella, he gave mm. me the nickname of Fatty. And um, it's funny because Jumbo, you got Jumbo down in Maui, you got Fat Ashley yeah. in Bendigo, then you got Fatty <laughs> in Mildura. So, one thing you got to think about is, geez, the fucking country people are cruel, aren't they? <laughs> they are. Yeah, they call it as they say it. So, yeah. I can relate to that a bit. It's funny now that, you know, I look at you now and I'm like, how the hell could they have called you Fat Ashley? Yeah. As my mate's kids say to them, why are you calling him Fatty? Yeah. Because you're fatter than him, you dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that when we run Cycle Well things and when people, when I tell that story, when I'm doing my coaching, people are like, shit, we would never have picked you as being being a fat kid. And, you know, I respond, well, there wouldn't have been a single meal I've had I reckon since I was 14 when I haven't quickly calculated the calories and the fat and the protein and the carbs and all that sort of stuff that's actually in whatever I put through my mouth. And yeah. that's that, that's just how I live and I'm still yeah. like that. I've just learned to live with it. That's interesting because I try not to do that, but I, I can un- I, I certainly have, d- have done it at times and I'm like I just yeah. can't keep up. Hey, mate, then I, I want to talk about this because you went into corporate and you, f- you absolutely flew in corporate, didn't you? You were like yeah. you were kicking goals and – getting promotions and all that sort of stuff. Talk a bit about that. So I have one brother. So there's about almost six years difference between my brother. He's older. So there's almost that generational gap between us. And he was another funny story. So when I was born, I was meant to be the girl. So my mum used to always say that at the start, she used to say it in a positive light, but she used to say at the start she was really upset when I was born because I was meant to be her girl and I ended up being her boy. So <laughs> not the best to build your self-esteem. And um, my brother was always the, uh, we're very different, um, similar in a lot of ways, but we're also very different. He's a real, he's an absolute powerhouse and, and workhorse and he's independently very successful. And I was always kind of in his, in his shadow in the eyes of uh, my mum and dad. So when I got into uh, the corporate world, I was probably even a bit, I'm a little bit more, a little bit academically smarter than him, so I haven't had to work as hard for stuff. So I thought here's my chance now to try and, you know, stick it up mum by being more successful than my brother. So I worked and worked and worked and played the game and, you know, having a bit of street smarts about me as well, I knew how to get where I wanted to go fairly quickly. Um, And, yeah, I was 29 when I got my first marketing manager role at a, major company and you know thought i'd hit the big time but um i never managed to catch my brother because he kept getting promoted and stuff as well because you know that was a game and the lot the lesson that i learned there very much was he kept getting promoted and has been super successful because he does what he loves yep i was getting promoted because i was just trying to win it wasn't really about me i was just trying to you know get one back and prove a point there's where the difference was. Eventually my career stagnated because I was just doing it for external reasons. And I, the funny thing was I was the only one playing the game. So I was competing with my brother, but he wasn't competing back. He was yeah. just doing his own thing. It's, so. it's an interesting thing, mate. It's a great share and, and also, you know, a very – look, I, I say it happens for everyone, but particularly blokes, I'll, um, that competitiveness will come out and they'll need to, you know, be the winner and show the other one up. And mm. I, I love how you shared that – you, you weren't really competing with anyone at the end of the day but yourself and yeah. and then you went from 29 and 
being like in the penthouse, I call it, to you sort of said <laughs> at 32 you were in another house which is a bit lower down, the shit house, yeah, I call yeah. it. What, happened, yeah, it was, what happened there, mate? So that was ego and that was, all right, well, I'm not going to beat him. Again, it was all about the brother and the mum thing. It was all about, well, I'm not going to be this way, so I know what I'll do. I'll start a business and I'll become a you know, businessman and entrepreneur and then I can scale my wealth and I'll be loaded in no time and this is awesome. So I opened up the franchise and went back home to Bendigo, you know, the homecoming and was going to really shove it up everyone. The business venture didn't work. I worked in the traditional way that I'd always done. I just kept working harder and harder, didn't ask for any help, just kept working harder. Got to a stage where I was probably doing 16 to 18 hour days, seven days a week, pushed everybody out, you know, blocked everyone aside and just thought, yep, I can do this, I can do this. And then um, eventually I got to the stage where I came home one day and my wife said, I've been with my wife 20 years nearly. She said, you're going to have to choose between the shop or our marriage because you're not the person who I married. I don't know who you are anymore. And if you want to keep chasing this dream, then I'm not going to stand in your way. But I'm also not going to stand beside you anymore either because you're just not you. So that got me right between the eyes, as blokes usually tend to need. We normally need to really have it uh, spelt out in front of us like that. So I thought about that for a little while, decided that what I thought I wanted wasn't really what I wanted. I didn't really want uh, the money and the cars and the shops and all that sort of stuff. I actually just wanted what I already had anyway. So I chose that and um, drove down to Melbourne on my wife's birthday. Shocking timing, as I realise now. And a really good side note there, I didn't even realise it was her birthday when I did it, but I actually drove down on her birthday and uh, declared myself bankrupt. Right. So basically just went in and said, I've had enough, I, I can't do this anymore. So I rang on the way down to Melbourne from Bendigo, which is about an hour and a half drive. I rang my franchisor and said, you probably need to get someone down to the shop because um, after I do what I'm going to do now, I'm not going back, I'm done. And that was that. Yeah. Mate, um, look, thank you for sharing the story because I know it's a tough one. It's a tough one for anyone to share, but let's now talk about the whole idea of, you know, men and men speaking up. And I'm, I'm curious, and I'm sure others are too. I know that you, your, good, your good wife said it's either me or the, or, or the business, but like you said, you were just working longer days and you're basically sort of shutting down. What do you yeah. think it is in blokes that go, I'm just going to keep going until fucking something breaks. <laughs> um, I think it's a combination. I think we're definitely taught it, uh, society and, and structurally. We're definitely taught that. Um, I had a real um, awakening with that. We had, I've got three three kids and the first two were girls and then the last one, Oscar, came along. And I know that they try not to, but even at daycare, the, there'd be stark differences there so when the girls would fall over it would be you know everybody would um, console them and you know are you okay and give them a cuddle and stuff and when a boy falls over I've seen it where they actually just say get up you know you'll be right mate brush it off suck it up and it's like if you've got little kids who are just sponges like that being taught that and then as we go we just keep getting learnt that and we just have layers put over that of well now the way for you to be a real man is you have to be competitive and you have to prove yourself and you can't ask for help and you know you can't do all that so if you if you're taught that, and if that's the way you live your life, then the way that we we get things done is we just go harder and we just dig deeper, 
because we don't think there's actually an option. So, and that's pretty much what I did. I was probably a victim of my own success early on because I was able to just work harder. And you kind of think, well, if it's not broken, I don't need to fix it. I just mustn't be pushing hard enough. Yeah, it's it's funny that, but like, yeah, yeah, I'm I mustn't. I'm not enough of something, so I haven't worked hard enough. I haven't yeah. been strong enough. I haven't been whatever it might be. And I'm sure that, that that happens with everyone, but particularly with fellas. Now, the beauty is that, and we're going to talk now about cycle. Well, like you at that moment in time, you've got some choices to make, mm-hmm. and there can be everything from curling up in a fucking ball, feeling sorry for yourself, <laughs> to what do I really want to do with my life and how can I do this stuff? And, mate, even only after speaking with you now for an hour or so, like my sense is that I don't think it was ever in you to give up. I may be wrong, but but I, my yeah. sense is there was something bigger for you. So, mate, talk yeah. to us now about what you've created to help help men to get past this, I guess, this, this experience that you had and it's called Cycle Well. Yeah, I think I'm I'm lucky. I've done a lot of thinking and a lot of reflection and had some help with, you know, counsellors and all sorts of people to, to try to dig, dig a bit deeper and understand myself better when I got to that stage. And I think it's just a natural I, – I personally think I'm just very blessed to have a natural personality where I, I don't give up. Yeah. And when push comes to shove, I do – my instinct is that classic fight, flight or freeze response. My instinct is very much to fight. Yep. And I think I'm just lucky to have that, but I don't – I want to use that um, going forward to help other people who maybe don't have that instinct. Um, so I created CycleWell. I'm a social cyclist. I got into cycling when I came back home to Bendigo. And there's a lot of uh, middle-aged men, the, the classic mammals who you see getting around in, in the Lycra. And um, I realised through some of the resilience training that I did at one of my previous roles that I would have a lot of guys sitting there and they would come to... Um, a resilience training course, and you could tell they were looking for an excuse or they were looking for permission to get involved, but they would sit there in the groups and they'd still have the walls up because culturally and socially men are taught not to really engage with that stuff, particularly when there are other, other men around and other groups around and it's that formal situation. So you'd see that, that they really wanted to get engaged, but they just couldn't. And then um, contrasting that, I would go out on the weekends and I would ride with guys who would be going through divorces or um, major illnesses or all sorts of things. And their cycling community was the thing that kept them going. It was the thing that they really looked forward to. So I thought, if I can take this concept of resilience training and positive psychology and behaviour change and all that cool stuff that I've been lucky enough to learn and deliver it to guys in a format where they'll actually feel comfortable and actually give them that permission to open that door to start thinking about that stuff. And if you do it in a situation where you normalise it, so they're with a whole heap of other guys who are doing it and I've got myself role modelling it and all of the guys who I handpicked to be part of my team who also, you know, relatively well-adjusted and pretty battle-scarred from life as well. We've all got our own stories at Cycle One, but we're all still sort of punching and if you do that and you role model that, then that gives a lot of men that permission that nine times out of ten you don't get during the day. So and just during normal life because we just have our our barriers up. So that's why I created Cycle. I thought if I can effectively take a cycling weekend that I know guys love 
and just sprinkle in some personal development, self-awareness, mental health and well-being and physical health and well-being stuff and just deliver it in a really non-confrontational, conversational type of way, then maybe some of that stuff will stick. Yeah, mate. And that's pretty much why we did it. What a fantastic, well, first of all, using your lived experience and then finding some others, as you said, that are a bit battle-scarred because we all are in some way or another, but um, yeah. it's created something that's now normalised. You're role-modelling it and you're taking blokes out into an environment where, and I know I know this for a fact because we've had a chat, is this has been almost life-saving for some men, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we've had um, the person who bought the first ticket, he knows who he is, so I won't say his name. Um, he was a uh, suicide survivor and he's, he goes around and actually talks about that now and, and shares his story. Um, and he mentioned that uh, one of the things that kept him going when he was going through some really bad times was the fact that he'd had a chat with us and he was sort of using the Cyclewell camp, the very first one. There's like a, a milestone to get to. He's sort of saying to himself, I'll just get to that and we'll see how we go and I'll keep doing the work and I'll, you know, I'll see what it's like type thing. And in every camp we've had so far, there's been at least one person who has been very closely impacted by suicide, if not a survivor themselves. And then there's a whole heap of other just life stories that come out. Cycle events are amazing. I, I've deliberately chosen a group of guys who are all older than myself. So all the guys who are with me are like my mentors, which yep. is awesome. So we get to go away and spend a weekend with other guys and we come back learning more from a cycle well event, I think, than the people who come. It's amazing. Well, it's like a, it's a learning laboratory, mate, by the sound of it. A bit like doing a podcast. Yeah. Every time you get someone yeah. on, you learn something new. You're regionally based, and I know um, you've shared some stuff with me around the instances of suicide in regional areas. Yeah. I know they're, they're everywhere, but in particular in regional areas. And so this is obviously something that's really near and dear to your heart. Yeah, I, th- I think um, regional Australia, pretty much when you have a look at the health statistics and the health facts, that the further away you are from a major capital city, the worse your your health indicators are. We're fatter, we have more more heart attacks, more strokes, it's harder to get to you know services, all those sorts of things. You're two times more likely to die by suicide if you live in the regions as opposed to in a major city. Whenever anybody does... Um, suicide, there's another 125 people within their close network who are affected, like really badly affected by trauma of that. So if you imagine if you take that into a small regional area and you've got 80 or 100 people every year and you multiply that out plus the extra 125, that has a disproportionately big impact on their actual community. And I think that goes back again to my personality, that sort of underdog and sort of wanting to wanting to fight for something. I really want to have a crack at um, getting a bit more of a fair deal for the regions. I love it, mate. It's an inspiring thing that you're doing. Um, and, and the other thing that you're gracious enough to say that I'm learning from this, this is developing me as well. So it's not like you're not sort of standing up on the pulpit and and preaching to the to the uninitiated. You're actually going there with a bunch of guys and you're learning just as much. In fact, you've been very deliberate in picking the ones you're with so you can yeah. learn too. I think that's as, as human as you'll get. Look, I will leave it to the end because I want to I want to actually find out about the upcoming events because, you know, it is, we're coming up to Father's Day this weekend. What a bloody amazing little present that would be to give uh, to someone that, <laughs> yes. you, that you love dearly, someone in your, in your life who not necessarily has to be going through some 
bad things, but they would like to get out for a weekend on their bike and, and hang out with some other blokes. Mate, three things. So from what you learn about yourself along the way, and it's obviously you are a you are a lifelong learner. You love to challenge and learn things. So three things that could be helpful for anyone listening to this, either for blokes or for those who are hanging around guys that could benefit from it. If you're getting to that point where you are just trying to win and break through and be competitive still and do the 18-hour days and you can't see the, the, the forest from the trees, what's your advice, mate? Three simple and practical tips that they could take away from this today. I think the first thing that I always tell the guys when we come to an event is that we really, men in particular, are just terrible at looking after our physical health. Yeah. So while Cyclewell is very much in that mental health space, we also focus on the key things in mental health because um, every guy who rides a bike can tell you a story of a mate who passed away from a heart attack probably riding either to or from the coffee. Um, men are, you know, three out of four preventable deaths are men, seven out of nine suicides are men. So I think the first thing that we need to do before we get to the mental health bit is just get a relationship with a GP who you trust. And if you can't find the first one, go to another one and just keep going until you get a GP and really improve your physical health IQ. So in a country like Australia where we've got one of the best medical health services available and we've got Medicare and you can get things like heart health checks for free and you can get all sorts of stuff done for free through Medicare, we really need to, to use those things and guys really need to just use it as a baseline so take a scientific approach, often, we often say at our camps, treat your body and yourself like a science experiment. So take the emotion away, take all the stuff away in the ego and just say, this body is my body. I need to understand it and I need to understand how I can improve it because if things go bad and you have a heart attack, that's the end of the story. Yep. You can't work on self-development if you're dead. So get yourself a doctor and get all of the tests that you need done to understand where you're at. And the second one, Mike? Uh, the second one is very much don't let go of the friendships that you had. And if you haven't got those friendships, r reconnect somehow. Really, isolation and loneliness affects men a lot. And that I think that comes a lot from that, that classic um, lone wolf type, entrepreneur type, you know, get out of my way, I'll, I'll prove it to everyone. You know, no man is an island yep. for sure. And whilst we do, we do say that we're there for our family and our families mean everything a lot, we kind of act differently to that because we keep ourselves away from our family and we, we ignore the emotions, we ignore really feeling stuff. And I think you can get to practice really feeling stuff if you get that close group of mates and actually allow yourself to be a genuine friend and genuinely love another person. And that can be a bit creepy for a lot of guys again because, you know, it's the L word and it's all a bit weird. But we men really have to get good at learning and understanding and practicing feeling our emotions and just sitting with them and just being comfortable with them. Nice. Because once you get used to that stuff, all sorts of things happen and all sorts of opportunities open up and all sorts of good stuff happens. I think the third one, most of the people who come to our events have got an issue with uh, their weight. And I think the stats again show 66% of Australian Adults are overweight or obese. It's scary. Uh, and a massive amount of people are type 2 diabetic. And a real eye-opener for me has been I've discovered the work of um, a guy. He calls himself the carb addiction doc. He's Dr. Robert Sivas. He's a, um, 
yeah, South African. Yep. And actually looking at your relationship to food, he looks at um, his relationship to carbs more so, so carbohydrates, and actually looking at the way we use food as an emotional management tool more so than as a nutrition tool. Yep. That has changed the whole game for myself, changed the whole paradigm for someone who's 35 years of yo-yo dieting and doing all sorts of stuff, all of the things that people told us. That one simple paradigm shift for me of actually looking at my relationship to food and what I use food for has changed everything. And it's a very simple thing that we can teach guys and girls. You don't have to, does it's not a shake, it's not a supplement, you don't have to sign up for a subscription or anything like that. If you just do the work on actually understanding what you use food for and then making that work for you, it's amazing. So that would be the other thing I would say. Before you join a gym, before you buy a new bike, before you do any of that stuff, actually just take the time to think about your relationship to food. Thank you. Three very simple, practical tips there. Um, as they say, it's 80% of it's what goes in your gob. Yeah. And uh, and I know that because I I'm actually working with I've got a, I've hired a wellness coach this whole year. Well, I have a cool. have a session with her um once a month. Shout out to Lauren Miller who is um based up in the Hunter Valley and and she's like the velvet sledgehammer, mate. Yeah. The thing I've been doing recently is keeping a bit of a food diary for her and being really honest yeah. with it. And then we'll check in and she'll go, "What was going on when you ate those two <laughs> packets of uh, mini packets of um, pretzels?" And yeah. I go, yeah. "I was fucking bored." Yes. I was just sitting there because Alison was up at her office up an hour away from here where we used to live up near Wallen, and I'm sitting at home on my own with the dog sitting around, and and so I just get up and I walk over to the pantry and I eat them, and then I think, what the fuck did I eat them for? That's you it. Know, and she's been great because not only has she helped me with that, but she's also said to me, hey, you might just want to change that bacon out for a little bit of chicken. <laughs> yeah. And mate, it's it's been yeah. good. I'm not big on as I was called fatty. I'm not big on getting. I don't like getting on the scales because if they haven't moved, I get a bit. Well, what the, what's the fucking point? But yeah, yeah. everything you've said, I know when I'm struggling, it's not because I like the taste of it. There's a bit of that, but it's because there's some sort of emotional trigger going on. Yeah, absolutely. sadness, loneliness, boredom. Yep. Self-sabotage. Oh, it'll be all right. I'll just have this today and then eight weeks yep. later I've had an ice cream every day, you yep. know, whatever it is. Mate, so good. Hey, listen, let's hear more now about the Cycle Well Camps because what I, what I really want to do is let us know when the next ones are coming up and, um, and how can the listeners, and there will be many listeners who may not be the ones going on the camps but could gift this to someone beautifully. Or they yep. might want to go on the camps and they go, I'm just going to gift it to myself because we're good at that, blokes. <laughs> like, we are you know, just go and buy something and, and hide it in the shed, like a set of golf clubs. Where'd they yeah, come yeah. from? I don't know. Frankly, I know <laughs> no, where they they've been here forever. Yeah, <laughs> the dust on it. <laughs> so give us a little bit about the how it all works, the logistics, and what someone can expect from that experience. Uh, so the best place to go is the website, which is cyclewell.com.au. I'm currently doing a bit of a refresh of that at the moment, but it is still functional. Uh, we've got a an event which is sold out. We've actually got our first women's event, believe it or not, in November because the ladies decided they wanted to jump on as well, which is fantastic from our perspective. That's in November, but that's in bright and sold out. Our next event, which is one that I'm really excited about, is called our Grinding for Mental Health Tour. So we're actually running a gravel cycling tour through central Victoria, four nights, five days. And we will ride around about 400 k's of gravel trails and visit a whole heap of little central Victorian towns. 
and raise money for uh, the Reach Foundation and Lifeline to deliver preventative mental health services just in regional Victoria, which happens to be my home. What are the dates on that one, mate? So that's March 14 to 18, nice. 2023. And still spots available for that one? Yes, there are. So we're just about to launch that one. Yep. So that's all of our events. We try to keep them, I try to keep them to a maximum of 24 because uh, one of the other things that I do at all my events is also for people who want to come, the opportunity to do uh, mental health and wellbeing training with myself, which is kind of my day job. Nice. So I, I deliver a, a corporate plan called uh, the Be Well Plan, which is a mental health and wellbeing plan. And I actually run through that. That's a, about a 10-hour mental health and wellbeing plan that I offer everyone who comes to an event the opportunity to do before they get there. Nice. So that when they get there, they've actually got a little bit of knowledge and some, you know, they've done a little bit of thinking, which makes our conversations that we have at the event that bit richer because people have had time to do a bit of thinking about it. So I offer everyone the chance to do that with me. And then the other exciting news is we've just launched another partnership with Australians for Mental Health, which is another charity. Uh, and we're running our first mixed event, which is February 10 to 12 up in uh, Victorian high country in Bright. Yep. And all of the profits from that event will be donated to Australians for Mental Health to help them continue to do their work, which is lobbying the government to get more funding for preventative mental health services. Magnificent, mate. You've got quite a few events coming up. I like the fact that I like it that the women have said, what about us? So you've created yeah. one in Bright and then you've got yes. your men's one, but then you've got a mixed one. So I think that creates great opportunity for, for dialogue that maybe at the moment is what we call known unspoken. It's known, but we don't speak about it. And, yes, um, and the totally. work you're doing is um, helping this. So it's cyclewell.com.au to go on there yep. and have a look. I love how you're That's supporting it. some charities and also – giving some people that education on, on the Be Well plan as well. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Mate, you're a bloody good human being. What about if someone wants to just reach out to you and, and connect with you? Because I know you're on LinkedIn a bit. Would LinkedIn be a good place to get you? Yeah, LinkedIn is the best. I've just started to get a, a bit active on LinkedIn, just starting to get up there and share some of the stuff that I learned through Be Well and share some of the stuff that I learned through the, through the events. And hopefully some people get something from it. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much the best place to get me on, on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, really keen to be able to keep this going and, and start to to work with some people who I did some training up in Queensland with the client recently and uh, a funny comment, one of them said, I think you've, you've got a superpower. And I went, oh, okay, cool. What's that? And they went, you are so normal and so average that you don't put anybody off. Everybody can sort of instantly just feel comfortable with you because you're just normal. You're not an ex-athlete. You're not a doctor. You're not a this, you know, that. You're just a normal bloke sharing all this stuff. And I thought, yeah, that's a pretty, if I'm going to have a superpower, I think that's pretty cool. I'm yeah. happy to be normal enough for people to listen to. It's, I like that. Mate, so. I think um, lived experience and relatability have been under-emphasized and you've just shown that, you know, the lived experience of the normal average guy, and I'd say that yeah. you, you know, what is normal and average, and what is success? Yeah. <laughs> you know, success was funny because it was all these things, but I bet you're, um, I bet you're feeling much more fulfilled now doing the doing the great work you're doing. Hey, mate, you're a bloody good human being. Thanks for coming on, and um, what a great uh, gift this is for our listeners for Father's Day. This is which is this Sunday coming up. Thanks a lot, Ash. Thanks, Mark. 
That was an amazing conversation. I must say this too, that uh, we had some technical dish difficulties on uh, last Friday when we were doing it, and uh, we had to stop and come and uh, finish it off on Monday, but it seemed to flow pretty well. I loved how open Ash is to just sharing his own lived experience and what he learnt and what he felt and where he got himself to, what success meant, and then he had some decisions to make and uh, and he made some bloody tough decisions for a bloke to make. It's it's called failure um, after so much success and then um, never gives up, as he says, so then he's gone down another pathway where he's helping in the space of mental health and well-being and working with the Be Well plan but also setting up Cycle Well cycling camps, which uh, there will be some details in the episode notes for you to check out got some great events coming up not just for men but also for women and also for mixed groups as well so obviously there's some real interest growing in what he's doing i loved what he shared today about his three simple tools and tips for guys that are perhaps really struggling at the moment in one way or another the first one was you know the making sure you're looking after your physical health and find yourself a good gp loneliness and isolation have become a big issue, not just for men, but for everybody, but don't let go of your friendships and reignite them if you, if you have let them go. And the last one was that relationship with food and that emotional eating that happens. We, talk, we talked a bit about that. So these are, these are all things that if they get away from you in the busyness and messiness of trying to be successful, whatever the fuck that means, and it can mean many things to many people, that uh, these are the things we've got to watch out for. I love that he has a superpower to be able to be Joe Average, as he calls himself, which I think he's much more than that, normalising and role modelling the behaviours that you need when perhaps things haven't quite gone the way that you would have liked them to go. He is one of the world's great human beings. He, he has lived it, he has got through some of it, and he's come out the other end with now an amazing cause to help people. So he's not looking for applause with this. He's looking to help people and he's really, really working on a very purposeful cause. So Ash, hats off to you, mate. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Hope for those who are listening to this, you might think about going onto Ash's website, which is cyclewell.com.au and gifting that dad of yours, whether he's a cyclist or not, because these things aren't till next year, so he's got some time to get in shape, gifting him a trip away with 23 other blokes to really connect with not just self, but with others. Hey, if you love this one, why not rate it five stars and share us a little note as to why you loved it. And if you liked it, share it with your friends, share it with your brother, share it with your dad, maybe share it with someone you know who's got someone in their life that's going through some pretty shitty stuff. And it could well be the ticket, as he said today, that um, helps someone to get to where they really should be. But until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical, and keep it human. Bye for now. Bye for now.